what is it with young people today? I mean, come on. What in the world is going on with this younger generation? I don't know what to say anymore other than to just shake my head and say, kids these days. Does any of that sound familiar? Well, it should, because that perspective and some form of its phrasing have been around for over 2,000 years. The belief that the present generation of young people is inferior, flawed, or deficient when compared to previous generations. This is nothing new. In fact, it's ancient. Don't believe me? Here are a few versions of these generational gripes that have been delivered through the years. I'll be starting with some more recent renditions, and then I'll be moving backwards, way back through time. Okay, to start from 2016, here are the published thoughts of a Gen Xer on my generation, Gen Y, otherwise known as millennials. The tragic truth is that America's millennials are a bunch of phone addicted, selfie obsessed, hashtagging, Snapchatting, kale munching, twerking, lazy, whining, ill-informed, politically correct, cosseted narcissists who find absolutely everything mortally offensive and believe there are 165 ways to sexually identify. End of quote. All right, that rave review of my generation was taken from an article in the Daily Mail, and it was titled, Memo to Millennials. That awful feeling you've got is called losing. Okay, now going back a little further, because some of you may have agreed with parts of that sentiment. From a Washington Post article published in 1993, the opinion of a baby boomer about Gen X. What really distinguishes this generation from those before is that it's the first generation in American history to live so well and complain so bitterly about it. Next up, a member of the lost generation describing young people in an article from 1925. We defy anyone who goes about with his eyes open to deny that there is, as never before, an attitude on the part of young people which is best described as grossly thoughtless, rude, and utterly selfish. End of quote. I'm guessing the guy who wrote that wasn't involved in selecting the name for the generation he was describing because that characterization of his That was describing the group of people that would later become known as the greatest generation. But I digress. Back to the timeline of quotes. Here are the words of the seventh Earl of Shaftesbury. Not sure if I'm saying that, but it was given during a speech in the House of Commons in 1843. I like to imagine it sounded something like this. They are a fearful multitude of untutored savages. Boys with dogs at their heels and other evidence of dissolute habits. Girls who drive coal carts, ride astride upon horses, drink, swear, fight, smoke, whistle, and care for no one. The morals of children are tenfold worse than formerly. Okay, now getting into the way back machine. This one's from Horace in the first century BC. The beardless youth does not foresee what is useful, squandering his money. And finally, from Aristotle, describing the youth of the 4th century BC, they think they know everything and are always quite sure about it. Okay, so there you have it. A sampling of the 2,500-year-old pastime of kids these days. I hope after that that you can agree the tradition of complaining about the sorry state of today's youth is nothing new. 
But while researching this topic, what I found to be even more surprising is the fact that through thousands of years, the grievances given are quite similar. The general complaints about the younger generation tend to be that they are disrespectful, irresponsible, arrogant, self-absorbed, sometimes overly cautious, and lazy. These criticisms of a younger generation seem to be a constant through the centuries. So why is this? Why does each generation partake in this fault-finding generational blame game? Well, I see three main reasons. First, the fact that our memories become more and more distorted over time. Second, the adolescent hallmark of challenging the status quo. And finally, the general human tendency to dislike or even despise change as we age. Okay, so looking at that first one of having a more faulty memory as we age, these incomplete or entirely inaccurate tales often begin with, when I was your age, I can remember sitting in the kitchen with my grandpa when I was in high school, and he was uh, bemoaning about how kids my age didn't work hard or have any responsibility. And then he asked me, how old are you? I said, I'm 16. He then blurted out, you know, when I was 16, I was married and had a farm. I looked at my mom, who was standing behind my grandpa, and I remember her just shaking her head and mouthing, that's not true at all. Okay, science shows us that our memory warps over time, but it's how it warps that often creates a, a kids these days perspective. Some like to idealize their younger years, while others like to focus on or amplify the difficulties that they experienced. I realized at a pretty young age that it's actually impossible to walk to school barefoot in the snow both ways. Now, don't get me wrong. I think swapping stories and reminiscing about the good old days is a great tradition. But I think it's best to do when you're around people of a similar age. Unless the motivation for sharing the story with a young person is to make them laugh, share a lesson that you've learned, or to connect with them on a more meaningful level. I'd say avoid the when I was your age if it's likely to come off as judgmental self-righteous, or preachy. And before I get to reason two, I want to share something I've enjoyed thinking about this past year or so. It's what a parent-to-child when I was your age lecture might look like in the future. Okay, so years from now, in some futuristic kitchen, the youth of today will be parents, and their kids will be complaining about having to go to school some, some particular morning. And that's when there'll be a new entry, a new submission into the when I was your age, tradition. And it might sound something like this. How dare you? Oh, you don't, oh, you don't want to go to school today? Is that right? When I was your age, I wasn't even allowed to go to school. You know why? Because there was a pandemic, pal. And I was forced to stay at home. And I can remember just standing outside my school, crying as I shook. I shook the locked fence that they put up, and I can remember just yelling out, Let me in! Uh, let me in! Please! I want to learn! And that's when the future child will roll their eyes as they settle in for this familiar lecture about how attending school in person is a privilege and that it should never be taken for granted. Okay, so you might be thinking, too soon way too soon. And if that's you, my apologies. And I'll now be moving on to reason two, which is the adolescent quality of challenging the status quo. Notice I said quality. This is 
an adaptive trait. It needs to happen, not just so young people can, can learn and grow, but it's also necessary for the betterment of our society as a whole. This challenging of the status quo, it often comes in the form of challenging parents and other adults in positions of power. So if you're my age or older, you are, we are the status quo. So because of that, we can expect and maybe even encourage these challenges to come our way, to speak to just how important this is. Here is Dr. Daniel Siegel, who is an expert on the topic. The adolescent mind is the source of pushing away from the status quo. Now, why do we do that? Because evolutionarily, we have to take what adults give us and say, you know, I'm going to try it a different way. I'm going to create a new world. Why is that uh, important? Well, it's important because if we're going to adapt to an ever-changing world, let's face it, as adults, what do we do? We specialize, we find our niche, we do what we do, we're exhausted. We just want to come home and watch some TV and just keep things just as they are, right? Everything's all right. But an adolescent, if an adolescent were going to be like that, we would never survive as a human family. The major innovations in art, in music, in technology and science come from adolescent minds. Pushing against the status quo. It often comes in the form of trying new things, behaving in ways that you might, we might not understand or approve of. There's a great quote from Ben Lindsay that goes, trouble is kids feel they have to shock their elders and each generation grows up into something harder to shock. End of quote. When I talk to parents or people who work with young people, I will always recommend focusing less on the behavior and focusing more on what's being communicated. All behavior is communication. I'll repeat that. All behavior is communication. So when you're concerned, confused, or upset about how a young person is behaving, ask yourself, what are they communicating? What are they communicating to their peers, to me, to the world around them? Because if you can figure out what's being communicated, you will not go to a place of fear, frustration, or anger. As a Ben Lindsay quote points out in a way, the behaviors will always change. They'll escalate from generation to generation. But what won't change are the messages behind them. The main messages that adolescents have been communicating for thousands and thousands of years, they remain the same and they'll never change. And here, in my opinion, are those main messages. I need to belong. I want independence. I want to take risks. I'm trying to figure out who I am. I'm going to challenge my parents and other authority. I want attention. I'll start with positive. If I don't get that, I'll go negative. I'm avoiding something. I'm hurting. I'm overwhelmed. I'm scared. So while you might not be personally familiar with a particular behavior, whether that be using Snapchat, vaping, online gaming, scrolling through TikTok, whatever it may be, I don't need to know you to know that you are familiar with most of, if not all of those messages I just shared. We all want to belong. We all want attention at times. We all avoid, hurt, feel overwhelmed, and scared. Every single one of us, we know these at any age because they are human. And a quick, just to be clear here, I am not saying that you should never be concerned about a particular behavior, or if you're a parent, that you shouldn't give consequences for certain behaviors. Not at all. What I am saying is that if your goal is understanding, empathy, and connection, focus first on finding the message before addressing 
the behavior. Okay. And finally, the third reason, which is the human tendency to dislike or even despise change as we age. For this one, instead of providing a, a lengthy take of my own, I decided it would be better to, to read off a few quick quotes on the topic. First up, the measure of intelligence is the ability to change. Next, there is nothing permanent except change. And finally, some people die at 25, but aren't buried until they're 75. All right, so as many of you may know, I work mainly with young people, ages uh, 15 to 22-ish. Additionally, most weeks I will go into middle schools or high schools to talk with students. So because of this, I thought I would wrap this episode up by sharing my thoughts about their generation. So here goes. Kids these days are creative, curious, and compassionate. They are aware of, more tolerant of, and accepting of others. They are far less racist, sexist, and homophobic than any generation that has come before them. They care about and try to help the disenfranchised and marginalized. Kids these days are leading the fight to save our planet, to say something, and to do something about climate change. They are creators. They are innovators. Kids these days, they are emotionally intelligent, and they are way more resilient than we give them credit for. <laughs> 